0: yeah, that's true, but you ain't helping people by telling them how not to rob God. You ain't giving them another option. See, it's one thing to say, hey, don't do this, but it's a whole other thing to say, hey, do this instead. Mm -hmm. All right? So good thing about our pastors is that they are doing a great job of giving us opportunities, not just to, to listen to about what we're not supposed to do. Most of our time, if you pay attention, is spent learning about things we are supposed to do. Okay? So... Saying that, number one, I am not a preacher. Number two, I am not a certified financial advisor. Uh, So I want you to understand and know that I'm not here to beg you for money, and neither is the church. Uh, So get that out your head. Uh, Neither am I going to give you advice. Can I get a clicker? Ralph, of my own. Neither am I going to uh, give you advice. I will instead give you a whole bunch of information. Uh, this is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Uh, it talks about this mat, and the reason I actually like this mat is because it speaks so much to what we do and who we are, right? It didn't actually help the situation at all. This dude had a mat. Go sit on the ground all day. How are you going to feel? You're going to be hurting. You're going to be in pain, right? But you put this mat down, and it takes just enough. Thank you, sir. takes just enough of that pain away so that you can tolerate being on the ground a little longer. So, when Jesus heals him, the first thing he said is, Get up! Get up! Get out of where you are. Second thing he said is, Why? Why you gotta pick up the mat? So you can see exactly what it is you've really been doing. We're gonna talk about both of those things. I promise you. So, a little bit of, uh, let's see if we can get this one to move think we may be running slow. A uh, little bit of a disclosure: we do have to disclaim a whole lot of stuff. Neither Fellowship of Champions nor Cedric Dilworth certified by FINRA or any other governing body to provide legal advice this is provided for informational purposes and all these great things that keep us out of trouble. But we can still give you some great information. If anybody wants to read this, be my guest. <laughs> you done? Good. We ain't talking about that, no more. Uh, am I going the wrong way? Is that why this thing? Okay. That's what the problem is. I'm pushing the button the wrong way, y'all. It's not their So this is the 20% challenge in a nutshell. All right, Pastor, everyone touched on this, but what we are talking about is giving 10% of our, our earnings to God in accordance with biblical teachings, as well as sitting back 10% of our, our uh, earnings for ourselves to invest in our future. We're not just going to sit it back. We're not just doing it so we don't have. We're going to talk about how to sit that 10% back and create more value. Uh, this is actually my good friend, Phil. Uh, people in the industry know him as PJ Haney. He's a third generation farmer. He and his family own the largest uh, farm owned by a black family in the world. Uh, it, uh, American, black, uh, black American in the world. Uh, cool Cat. We actually spent a good deal of time talking about this, uh, just kind of in preparation for this. And one of the things that he always, he always talks about is the importance of teaching the next generation and how you find those right people who are going to be leading. So I wanted to put him up here. This is actually a picture of he, his wife, his parents, their two kids, and his sister. I wanted to put him up here because I told him if he uh, could ever come down, I would always make sure I included a picture of him in it, just to recognize him for what he and his family are doing for us in America. Uh I got a laser pointer too. Oh, Ooh, it's about to be old. So, a little bit about me right here, a little bit about me. Uh, in the top right hand corner, I'm a huge fan, fan of uh, Formula One racing every year for the Grand Prix of China. I stay up, it comes on at 2 o'clock in the morning. They don't race on U.S. time, so I usually stay up and watch it. That beautiful man up there with the sexy sideburns, unmistakable smile, sitting on the Petronas Mercedes car is, in fact, not me, that is Lewis Hamilton. Uh, we look a lot alike, well, no, we don't look alike, really. Uh, and our paychecks certainly don't look the same, but Lewis is not only the winningest British driver in the history of Formula One racing, which is pretty much setting him up to be knighted by the Queen at some point, or possibly king if she's passed away. He's actually already started the process, uh, so he will be knighted at some point by the uh, the English Empire. Uh, Lewis is also one of the highest earning uh, athletes in the world. In fact. With the exception of Kobe Bryant last year, uh, 2014, not 2015, uh, he has been the highest earning black athlete in the world. He signed a contract with Mercedes, uh, with the Petronas Mercedes team for $145, $147 million for three years. You don't have to do the math. I'll tell you, that's almost $50 million a year just from his paycheck. That don't count all of his endorsements, all of that stuff. Crazy thing is most people in America have never heard of him, and he looks a whole lot like a lot of us. I'm just saying and they don't get injured as nearly as much as basketball or football players. Uh, over here, some of y'all know that cat. Uh, some of y'all don't, uh, the little bright-skinned kid with the bad hair, that's Donovan. He wasn't always that big, but his hair was, and uh, yeah, that was him at two weeks old. Uh, he did fit in my hand, and that was kind of a fun picture to take. Uh, over on the right, I'm a big fan of visual and performing arts. Uh, I do spoken word every now and then, if somebody can swindle me into it. Uh, But I couldn't pass up a chance to get a picture of my favorite artist done by one of my favorite artists. That's Salvador Dali. Uh, He is in fact my favorite artist. Uh, He, and this picture was done by Justin Bua, who is another one of my favorite artists. I have one of his uh, prints at home. On the bottom is Buffy, also known as the Charging Bull, also known as the Bull on Wall Street. That is in New York. Uh, Interestingly enough, it is not officially sanctioned by the city of New York to be there. And as big as this thing is, it's huge. Uh, they actually snuck it in. Nobody knew it was there. It just wasn't one day, and then one day it was. It's kind of a, a funny thing. We're going to skip over this one here in the middle if we because I'm going to mess with y'all about that over there. Uh, this is a picture of the National Cathedral in Washington. I do like to try one. I do like to take pictures. I'm not good enough to be considered a photographer, but I do like to take pictures, and this is a shot I, I took of the National Cathedral. Uh, it, it was a fun shot. It was a fun trip, and I do like photographing churches, so that's kind of how that fits in. I am a Texas Longhorn two-time. I am a native Texan. I'm all of that stuff. You can talk all the stuff you want, but we good, we good, we good, oh, we good. And not just in that football stuff either. Uh, I am a big fan of the state of Texas. I don't beat people up too much about it. But that's okay. That's okay. I still win. Uh, But in the middle is Morningstar Missionary Baptist Church. That's where I started out. That's my family's church. Church has been around almost a century, Unfortunately. It has been racked recently by a very, very poor steward of a pastor uh, who kind of stepped in and he's basically taken it upon himself to empty out all the bank accounts of the church. So now the church is at risk of going away. Um, kind of tough. Because at one point in time, this is one of the largest uh, black churches in Dallas and uh, a lot of family memories there. Uh, so uh, before we go on, I will tell you I have four expectations. Number one, I expect to win at everything I do. Period. Now, winning don't always mean I come out with the most points or the most at the end. Sometimes winning means I just manage to make it to the end, right? Right. you know this: I get upset about losing, right? I, I don't, I do not lose well at all because I believe I control whether or not I lose. Losing is how I play the game. Losing is how I pursue it. If I don't give 100% of my effort, then I lost. I don't care what the score is. Now, sometimes somebody will beat me. That happens, but I don't have to lose. All right. So I don't like to, uh, to lose. I love to win. And I always expect to win when I step in. So I'm going to approach this from the perspective that you want to win as well. Yeah. Now, if you don't want to win, I get it. I'm not going to beat you up about it. But I'm going to tell you right now, you might want to skip these fifth Sundays because they ain't going to work for you. Because I expect winning to be part of it. I expect you to finish better than you started. And I expect you to make an effort second thing i've already told you i'm not a financial advisor but i know a whole lot of this stuff i've been doing it since i was 11. started trading stock i started learning about the stock market i've invested i promise you i've lost more money than the average american makes in a year in the stock market on one trade when bad things happen they happen really bad the stuff i'm doing when good things happen they happen really good all right i paid for stuff i've lost stuff i paid for i've done all of that and i can tell you it ain't fun but i learned and I'm happy to share. I know more than you're gonna to ask today, so feel free to do number three, which is ask questions. You got a question, interrupt me. With Number two, uh, I know this stuff. I told you, I got a lot of stuff to touch with. Number two, ask questions. Seriously, interrupt me. I promise you, your question ain't hard enough to derail what I'm talking about. I promise, okay? It's not that you're not smart enough, I just didn't practice a whole lot. I practiced a whole lot to make sure it go right. So I know the content, I know what it is. And if you got a question, I have a whole lot more information that's presented and I'm happy to share. I really am, I want you to ask questions. And number four, this is a journey. If you are not at any point in time where we are, don't worry about it. I got ways to get you there. I can speed it up, I can slow it down, I can make it more dense. I can make it less dense. We can adjust to suit whomever you are, wherever you are. I expect to win, which means I can't win if you don't come with me. Again, if you won't plan on winning, you might want to skip these. You might want to skip these. There's a couple other places that'll help you out. I'm not saying nothing bad about them, but this ain't where you need to be. All right. So it would be raggedy as all get out of our pastors to come in here and talk about how we're going to do this 20% challenge thing if they didn't set up a plan in place on how we gonna help you get there, right? So, I kinda like this one. Anybody know about this? Anybody know about that? I got a whole lot of these. I can show them to you. Uh, so this first session is gonna be a lot of overview, but we're gonna talk about anatomy of your credit score after we talk about what money is, because I think a lot of us think we know what money is, but I promise you don't. And the third thing we're gonna talk about will be the accounting equation, okay? That's gonna form the foundation of what we're gonna talk about for the entirety of this series. And I'm gonna give you a little spoiler alert. This is a setup. This is a setup. You are being set up right now for what's gonna happen in January of 2017. You are being set up for 2017 right now. Second session is gonna be what are we planning for? What's the goal? What are we trying to do? Then we're gonna talk about plan to spend, spend the plan. I know people don't like that budget word. Ooh, ain't nobody gonna tell me what to do with my money. Does that include you? because if you don't have a spending plan, you're telling you what to do with your money. And if you make your spending plan, you telling you what to do with your money. So I don't know how that works. Section three is gonna be right around the time we look at uh, benefit season in the, in the area. It's gonna be about 401Ks, 403Bs for you, uh, teachers and other public uh, sector employees. Employee stock purchase plans. We'll talk about uh, stock plans in general, stock grants, stock, uh, RSRs and all of these crazy terms that people throw around that they do not necessarily understand. Uh, Insurance as well. We'll get into that. And number four will be a wrap up for the year. And again, it is a set up. We are setting you up because we want you to have momentum coming out of this year. Start off 17 strong. All right. We ready? Yeah, 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 yeah. I can't, I can't get my water out of here. I have water everywhere. How's that? Everybody see better? Everybody good? Everybody good? Good? Everybody, good? Good. Good. Everybody. Good. Don't worry. I'm going to tell you also, you will see this again. You will see it again. I promise. Every session we do, we're going to see this. I promise. All right. This is wealth distribution today. This was done last year, uh, this year, this actually just came out a couple weeks ago. The exact same thing was done last year. Anybody care to tell me what what they think it means? This says 62 people, 62 wealthiest people in the world have the exact same amount of wealth as three and a half billion people. The bottom three and a half. That's half of the population of the world These people had the same amount. You wanna hear something crazy? Last year, this number was 127. So, there are only three possible explanations why this number went to 62. Number one, these people came up quick and hard. They didn't just get a little bit of extra money. They got a whole lot. Number two, the poor people got really, really, really poor fast. Or number three, both of those happened you got a split like this. I think I know which one it is. I think it's a split. But you have to understand, people like Bill Gates, founder of Microsoft and a whole lot of other good things, have money to give away, right? So Bill Gates employs 1,800 people working in Seattle to give his money away. And he still made billions of dollars after they gave billions of dollars away. So he's making money faster than these 1,800 people he pays to give away his money can give it away. Think about that. So if he's making that money, where is it coming from? What does that mean? What about these people over here who don't control this? These are called factors of production, okay? We have to own our factors of production. Now, you may not know what those are yet. Don't worry. I promise we're going to get there. But I want you to approach this from the mindset that, hey, guys, there is a huge movement here. And I promise you, if you're not angling to go this direction, you're going to quickly go that direction. Just because you slow down don't mean everything else did. Okay? So let's get up to speed here. What is money? Simply put, anything can be money. Anything. At various times during the United States history and other parts of the world, cows, rocks, clams. Anybody watch the Flintstones? They pull clams out of their pocket. You ever watch that? You ever watch that? Beaver pelts. I like this beaver. This is hilarious. Um, in fact, have, has anybody ever heard the term pain in kind? You ever heard of pain in kind? Well, it's widely believed that the word, the term in kind came from an old English phrase called in kind, K-Y-N. Kind was the word used for cow. So if you had a debt, you paid for it in cows. When the Bible talks about God having the cattle on house of the hills, that's why it represented wealth. So there's a variety of ways to pay uh, for, for things with, with different forms of money. Here's where it gets interesting though. Anybody know that guy? God. So for years and years and years, the United States uh, government's money was backed by gold, okay? In fact, you could take one dollar of US currency to any financial institution and say, I want my one dollar of gold, and they would give you one dollar worth of gold. Here you go, pow, pow, pow. Problem with that is it's really heavy, it's hard to transport. If you got a whole lot of money, well, you got a whole lot of problems because people want to come get you. They can see it, it's hard to transport, you hold in it, you can't, this ain't a comfortable way to walk around. So somebody said, hey, how's about we figure out a way to just say, hey, we are gonna stick this money, this gold back, and we are gonna put this paper out here, okay? If you look back in the stock market's history, stocks used to trade in one eighth of a point increments. The reason they traded that way was because you could take a gold coin, a, a standard issue U.S. gold coin, and you could cut it three times and have eight pieces. And you could trade them, and everybody knew that this was about right. After you got down to 16s, they kind of got a little tough to make them exact and keep them, keep them consistent. But the eighths, if you've ever heard the term pieces of eight, this is where it came from. Cut a coin to eight pieces, eight equal size pieces. That's where it comes from. Well, this thing called the Bretton Woods Accord came about in the 30s, I think that's right. Uh, and they said, hey, we need to grow the economies of the world, okay? But we're all tied to gold, so as long as we're tied to gold, there's only one way to do it. We gotta go get some more gold. Then somebody said, hold on, we don't have to. If we take ourselves off of the gold standard partly and say, hey, we're only going to partly offer it, then we can partly support the economy and partly grow it using inflation. Okay? Fast forward to 1971, Richard Nixon said, no mas, we are going to permanently disconnect the U.S. currency from the gold standard. Okay? When that happens, that allows the economy to grow without the U.S. having to go out and mine additional gold. Right? It allows a whole lot of other things to happen as well. Pop quiz, I have a little theory, so we're gonna have a pop quiz, we're gonna see. Anybody care to guess? One billion is how many times larger than one million? A, 100, B, 1,000, C, 100,000, or D, one million. If you speak Spanish, you kind of have an advantage right here because of how you say it. it millones. Any guesses? What was it? B, did I hear C, D? Anybody? B? Thousand is right. Next one. One trillion is how many times larger? One million. C? 100,000? It's D. D. One million. It's huge. So understand something. One trillion is one million one millions, okay? Everybody in Northwest Arkansas just got $2 million. That's $1 trillion. Everybody. I'm, that includes the kids. Okay, Everybody. We go across the street to the hospital. $2 million. Let's get a comparison so we can see what this looks like. These are $100 bills, okay, stacked up. There's $1 million. There's $1 billion. There are uh, 10 pallets there. This is $1 trillion. That's the person right there. Wait, 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 but wait, okay. Look at the person right here. That's the person. Also notice something else. There's something else I want you to notice. That's a single stack. These are double stacks. Wow. That's how much we're talking about. And those are hundred dollar bills. We're not talking about ones, okay? So if you want those in dollars, that's a hundred times larger than that, okay? So do we have good perspective now? Yeah. This, this ain't what you thought was. Well, trust me, I, I wasn't planning on doing this either kind of ended up on a a whole different direction. So let's talk about how serious this is and what we're talking about. Okay, let's put this in for real perspective. The U.S. population, 322 million people. The GDP, which is a production of all the U.S., is $17 17 of those stacks, that's how much the total output of all of our combined work in the United States is worth. If you divide that by the population, it's $53,000 per capita. Okay? That makes sense? Everybody with me? All right. This is where we get a problem. This is our serious problem. U.S. has 19 trillion dollars worth of debt. 59K per man, woman, and child. (laughs) Yes, 59,000 dollars per man, woman, and child. If you take a look at personal debt, student loans are about 1.3 trillion. Uh, Credit cards, actually this year, this is uh, 2014 uh, information, they haven't come out with 2015, they just haven't finalized them yet. Credit cards are over a trillion dollars, we know that already. We've already looked at the numbers, they just haven't finalized them yet, we know it's over a trillion dollars, okay? That is $54,000 per man, woman, and child. Those of you fast, third grade mathematicians out there like myself, good at third grade math, you just did the math and you said GDP is 53 and debt is 59, Uh uh-oh, and personal is 54, we in trouble. Right? So, yes, if you sat back and just said, hey, that means we have $113,000 per debt for every man, woman, and child in the United States, you are absolutely correct. We cannot afford ourselves. So, so when you hear politicians talking about we're mortgaging our future, we're mortgaging our children's future and all this stuff, they're not joking. This is serious. This is where we're headed. But even this doesn't really give you good perspective on it. I'm gonna let y'all read a little something here because it gets real interesting. Johnny man Johnny Manso. If you can't see it, I'll tell you what it says. Uh, there were these two economists, one named Rogoff, one named Reinhardt. They did a paper back in 2010 that looked at what happens to economies. They actually looked at 220 years of economic development across the world. They examined performance, of those, company, or those countries' economies and compared it to their debt levels. And what they found was that once the total GDP is less than, or I'm sorry, once the total debt is uh, 90% of total GDP, that economic growth in the country gets cut in half. So typical growth in the United States is somewhere around three, three and a half percent. That means we're gonna get cut down to somewhere around one seven, one five-ish. Okay, makes sense. That's 220 years. 1790, that's 2009. 220 years. It got really scary when they looked at a little shorter period of time. They actually examined what, what economists call the modern era, which is what happened from what has happened since uh, World War II ended, so 1945 to today. Okay, economists refer to that as the modern era, and they found something really interesting. In the post-war era growth goes from three to actually negative in GDP. So that means the economy actually shrinks. <laughs> Think about that. Now, now, some of y'all who were paying attention just did a real quick math equation. You said, hold on, we already passed 90%. So has anybody heard the term new normal? Popularized by a guy named Muhammad L. Arian from then Pimpco, now he's at a different company. Uh, uh, he was a bond. He's a bonds trader. Uh used to be with Citibank. He created Citibank before it blew up. Uh, and then he left and got a higher paying job. And then he blew something else up and then he got another higher paying job. But that's a whole other subject. He's on TV. Uh, that's what happened when you got money. Uh, he came up with the term new normal to describe this what he called 2 percent growth scenario. 2 percent is suspiciously close to that one seven that they talk about or negative. This is where the issue comes in. Right now, we as Americans cannot afford ourselves and our economy is shrinking. And if you haven't been paying attention to the news lately, Congress is acting like a bunch of three-year-olds fighting over ice cream, okay? They keep threatening to close down uh, the government's ability to pay. They're not gonna fund this, they're not gonna fund that. Right now, America enjoys what's called reserve currency status in the world. It means our money is the basis for everything else, okay? Everything else at some point eventually gets back to value that's uh, provided by the U.S. dollar our debt is considered to be great. But with these jerks messing around, obviously there's gonna be some implications for our credit score and our credit rating, okay? Now, think about your personal economy for a second. I owe more money, a lot more money than I have coming in. I'm not, I'm threatening to not pay my bills on time. Every now and then I don't pay my bills on time every now and then I skip a payment, every now and then I threaten to not pay you forever, every now and then I go and fight with the bill collectors all over the place, every now and then I go and fight with my my my, my creditors and everything. What do you think will happen to your credit score? Well, the United States has double AA, A, triple A. That's the highest you can get. The United States government right there. Fitch and Moody's have triple A ratings on U.S. debt. That is the absolute highest they give. They say that the United States government has the safest debt in the world. These nice people at S&P a couple of years ago decided to lower the U.S. debt rating to double A AA from AAA A because they said Congress is acting a fool and this is not sustainable. In a completely unrelated incident, at Standard & Poor's was uh, an, an investigation was launched by the government against Standard & Poor's credit practices right after they uh, released this the and Moody's weren't investigated at all. Uh, of course, like I said, they are not relate it. Just keep this in mind though. So, what does this mean for us? We ain't treated the same way as the US government. <laughs> we are. So, I actually found this. I was trying to find a way to, to communicate this. I actually found this, it's done by um, a company called Fair Isaac's, now FICO, uh, we'll get into them also, and an auto loan company. They took the exact same person, exact same loan, and looked at the exact same amount and laid out what would happen based on different credit scores, okay, all the way up and down. It's a 36-month lease or 36-month uh, purchase agreement for a $25,000 car, okay. If you have a 720 to 850, which is considered A to double A credit, three and a quarter. Is going to be your rate. 730 is going to be your payment for those 36 months, okay? If you have a 500 to a 589, which is considered subprime, well subprime, you're going to be paying 16 and change, and you're going to be at $877 a month. Now, look at me for a second, because I want you to understand exactly what this means. You walked out your house at the same time as your neighbor, Y'all both drove on the exact same streets to the exact same car dealership, talked to the exact same salesperson, picked out the exact same car, sat down and got financed by the exact same bank. Your credit score is high, your neighbor's credit score is low, and you, at the end of those three years, are $5,300 better off than your neighbor, just because of that credit score, okay? Let's get on the other side. You were the neighbor. You are $5,300 poor, not because you did anything different other than manage your credit score, okay? So think about that. There is a real cost to having a bad credit score, and this is what it looks like in reality. This ain't something that we talk about, all right? So as we think about this, I wanna encourage you, number one, first performance metric that we are gonna lay out for this year. Your credit score must improve this year. Don't worry, I got you, I got you, got you. Your your credit score must improve this year. That's the first thing. I don't care what else you do, you are going to improve your credit score this year. I don't care if you got a negative credit score, it's going to be better. You can't can't get a negative credit score for the record. record. We're going to talk about that in a second. But you can't get that. But that is gonna be the number one performance metric. And I'm gonna lay out the rest of them as we go through the series. But that is going to be our number one. Okay? We good? We good? All right. Anybody uncomfortable yet? Okay. Good. (laughs) Hey, I cut my hair off for you too. Just so know. No problem, no problem. So let's get a little bit of a credit score. if we're gonna be graded by this. We need to know what this means and how to go for it, right? If you playing football, you can look at the end zone all day and all night. But if you don't know how no plays, you're going to have a tough tough time scoring, I promise. You might get there. <laughs> You'll have a heck of a way to get there. Before 1970, credit scores have been around a long, 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 long time. It was a very many varied ways of people doing this stuff and approaching it. They were all over the place, and crazy stuff was showing up in people's credit scores. like, oh, you went to the bar two times this month. You must be an alcoholic. Alcoholics are more likely to default your credit score going down. No joke. Crazy stuff, like people just doing stuff. 1970. Congress passed a very important piece of legislation. It's called the Fair Credit Reporting Act. Nobody calls it that. Everybody calls it FCRA. Okay? It entitles you to a whole lot of great rights as a consumer. Number one most important right is it standardizes the way credit reports are done. You can't come in here with raggedy stuff that people heard about you, said about you. You can't go talk to somebody that's just raggedy and, and coming in. Oh, dude who down the street can't come in and say, well, I think they ain't paid their bill and now your credit score went down because that. they can't do it anymore. Okay? There is a standardized way to approach this. It also gives you the right to dispute things on your credit report. It also gives you the right to request a credit report every single year. Where are we going to get into that whole lot on the next slide? third dot down there is Fair Isaacs Corporation, kind of a weird name, engineer and a mathematician, one named Fair, one named Isaac, decided to start a company, Fair Isaac Company. Uh, and it, it has since changed its name a couple of times, but it's now known as FICO. Anybody know, heard the word FICO? Okay. Yeah. Fair Isaac Company. That's where the word comes from. They came out with a standardized approach that looks at your credit, understands what it is, takes into account all of these things. You actually have about 49 different credit reports floating out there at any given point in time. The FICO score is the number one used by far in a way. Nothing even comes close. Over 10 billion requests by lenders were made last year, and only 322 million people in the United States. So they do a lot. Okay? These people are very important. So, this is how it breaks down. Anybody ever seen one of these before? Yeah. All right. This is important because if you see what the percentages are, that one is it. Do you pay on time? That is the most important factor. 35% of your credit score is determined simply by do you pay on time. That's it. 30% is a maxed out question now we're going to talk about that one so i'm going to skip over for just a second because there's some interesting things you can do there it's actually called mix or and it's a different way to it it's not the mix that's down here it's a different kind of mix Uh, credit history is important but not as much credit mix which means do you have a variety of credit do you have a car a boat do you have any type of student loans, any type of other consumer financing? Do you have a credit card? What types of credit are you using? Those types of things. The more variety you have in your credit score, the higher it goes because they think you can use a variety more responsibly. They're just trying to measure your responsibility. Finally, new credit. Uh, at the bottom, are you applying for new credit? That's inquiries. That's somebody saying, hey, did this person. now?" Over the years, the good people at Fair Eyes' company have gotten smart enough to know that they need to adjust their uh, their algorithm so that it takes into account shopping around for different things. So if you go apply at this dealership for credit, you go at this dealership for credit, and you go to this dealership for credit, all of them trying to look for the same car in the same little window, it only counts as one. Same way with the mortgage. Okay? If you do those things. Now, if you try to scatter this out all through the year, they're going to hit you each time. All right? But if you... If you do it in a small window, most people believe it's 30 days fair. Isaacs doesn't disclose exactly how they will do it. This was like monumental when they said this, most people had already kind of got to this point, but when they actually disclose this, uh, it was monumental, but they don't disclose their algorithms at all. But it's pretty clear that about 30 days is kind of the shopping period for stuff. Uh, This 30% though, right here, are you maxed out? Let's get into this, okay? You have, three credit cards. Each one of them has a $500 limit. That's $1500. Okay? One of them you've had for 10 years, one of them you just got. Okay? If you charge $500 on one of those credit cards, according to Fair Isaac's, you are 33% maxed out. You're at a 33% utilization ratio. Okay? Because what they do is they count all of your revolving credit, they add it all up. And then they say how much of that is being used. It's not individual cards, okay? makes sense? Now, anybody ever heard, don't close a card out because it'll lower your score? This is where you get in trouble. If you close one of those cards out and you still have $500 on it, now you only have $1,000 of available credit, okay? So it looks like you are now at 66%, or one half, I'm sorry, bad math, one half, instead of 33%. That's what they're talking about but there is a way to start closing cards out if you keep this in mind when you start to work through it. Yes, sir? Yeah, yeah, so there is a way. Yes, ma'am. Yep. Sure, I can do that. No problem. Uh, So you are now at 50% with $500, right? Make sense? Now, Let's say, I'm going to change the numbers a little bit. Okay? Let's say you have those same three cards and they're all at $5,000 limits instead of 500 limits. Okay? You have 15,000, exact same math. If you have that same $500 charged, okay? 15,000, 500, 15,000, you're at one-sixth. Okay? It's 18%, give or take. Close one out. Instead of being at 50, you're at 25. So you still have that same $500 charged as you had before, but your credit score is still higher because total of the total, your percentage is lower. Does that make sense? Okay, good. That is something that's very key to understanding. Okay, If you close out a new card versus an old one, your credit score won't be hurt anywhere near as bad as if you close out an old one. Remember that length of credit history thing? that's where we want to talk about how long you've been around. So be thoughtful about how these things play out, okay? You can use this to boost your score. And what is our number one performance metric this year? Hot dog, y'all was listening. So, we going to pay attention to this because how we use this tool, they've told us the rules now. It's our job to figure out how to win using these rules. All right. Now, on payment history, different things have different treatments. If you don't pay your student loans on time, it is looked at as being bad. Not quite slap your mama bad, but almost. All right? Because the credit bureaus assumed that at a point in time where you needed student loans, you were too new to get credit from anywhere else, and the government gave you credit, so you just offended the people who were willing to take a bet on you when you were at your worst. Make sense? So... You got $20 left, you need $40 to get whatever you need. You go get $20 and the last person you pay back is the person who gave you the 20 to help you out. Think about that. Pay those types of things on time, okay? If you've already missed your payment, yes, you can catch up. There will be less benefit for catching up than there was pain for missing out, but you can start to regain some of the ground you lost. Any questions, any other questions? Y'all still with me? Y'all still with me, I don't know if y'all are thinking. Some of y'all look mad, like, God, dog, they've been getting me all this time, (laughs) right? You ain't got to get got no more. Anything I'm missing? Anything else y'all want to hear about right there? All right, so this is where it gets real fun. Who's seen the credit report? Dog, I like y'all. Who's seen a recent credit report? Dog, I like y'all. Who's seen a recent credit report because you ordered it, not because somebody else did and you were applying for credit? Dog, that's the one. All right. Remember that FCRA thing I talked about? They told you you are entitled to a free credit report every single year from the big three uh, credit reporting bureaus? Use it. Okay? By law, they have to give it to you for free. Now, surprisingly enough, i had a very hard time finding a credit report that was clear that I could put up here in a big enough way. So I will tell you what's on it. Your account information, your name information, all of your previous addresses, uh, your previous employers if you request them to be added in your payment history. Okay. If you close something out, depending on what type of account it is, it'll stay on there seven years, Some t- in some cases 10. If you don't pay certain things, it's going to be there. It's going to hang on to you. So make sure you have your stuff in order when you think about how you're going to about uh, paying this back. So. Very first recommendation I'm going to make to every single person in here right now, and don't worry, I got the information for you uh, later on. So I promise you, I, I won't recommend without giving you something to do with it with. Request a credit report from one of the big three this month. That means today, dog. You fast on your feet. You alone. You see that setup? You see? It? I told you it was a setup. I told you. I told you. so I'll put a deadline on. Today is the end of the month, so do it this month. And if you do it, just re- just request one. Okay, Experian, Equifax, or TransUnion, doesn't matter. Just request the one free one. Okay, Four months from now, go to one of the other ones. Four months after that, go to the third. Then you're back at January four months later, and you can start all over again. That way, every four months, you have a rolling account of what's going on on your credit report. Y'all with me? Yes, ma'am. As long as it is reflective of and they they'll put it on the small print where they pull it from but as long as it's reflective of what's actually in your credit report it's good it'll show you what you're looking for is the information not the number that they put up there don't worry about that you want the information okay and monitor that now understand let me give a disclaimer here the FICO score will not be included on that okay government has decided that the FICO score is the property of the Fair Isaacs corporation They have the right to use their their algorithm and their right to retain their intellectual property, so you do have to pay them for it. It costs about 20 bucks usually. Sometimes if you buy more than one, they'll discount it, but you do not have that right. That's okay, because we have the internet, right? Got the internet, and I love the internet. There are plenty of score estimators out there. You can go to myfico.com. You can go to bankrate.com. In fact, you type in the Google, the place of all things of human civilization. Just go in there and type in credit score Estimator. Use anyone that pops up. I like the one on bank rate, I like the one on my FICO, but any one of them will work. I've used a bunch of them, a whole bunch of them. They all tend to err on the side of low, they'll they'll score you just a little low, not a way low, but they'll give you an idea and they'll t- typically score you just a little low. I think they're trying to cover their butts just in case something uh, something happens from a legal perspective, they don't want to get sued, uh, but it's there, okay? So what are we going to do this month? All right, don't worry, I got a slide at the end to show you where you're going to go. All right, this is where it gets fun. This is where we're going to get into the finance stuff. We've talked about some economic stuff, we've talked about some high level finance, some of the high stuff. We're going to get down to some of the, the functional portions of personal finance here, and this is where it's going to get interesting. This is the accounting equation. Anybody not an accountant know what this is? Yeah, good, good, good. If you don't, don't worry. We're we'll going to talk about it. assets, liabilities, and equity, okay? Assets, things you have. Don't worry about the payments yet. It's just stuff you have, okay? Liabilities, stuff you owe. Equity is your percentage of what's there. All right? You good? All right. So right. Let's take a look. This is what you're going to do. This is going to be your second performance metric right here. This is going to be real, real easy. See, even the intro music for me right there. That's how easy it's gonna be. You see that sound? (laughs) All right, assets. Your education is an asset. It allows you to earn a higher rate of income than you would without it. You can count that as an asset. In fact, for most people in kind of this age bracket, your education is your largest asset. Most people don't count it. You know how I know most people don't count it? Because the first thing people complain about is student loans. Let me give you a little bit of accounting here. There's a principle called the matching principle. It says if you want to get an asset and you want to finance it with debt, you take a debt that will live as long as the life of the asset. As long as you're alive, you got education. So having a 25-year student loan, You matching, you good. I'm not suggesting that you go out there and, and, all right? I'm not telling you to go out there and be like, yo, this trip to Bahamas, I can throw it on these student loans. No, 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 no. Nor am I telling you that you just need to go explore all of your creativity by traveling around the world getting student loans. I'm not suggesting that. But what I am suggesting is that if you make thoughtful investments in education using this debt instrument, you will see thoughtful payouts in excess of the debt instruments. Let me say it differently. Get a student loan, have a good major that's gonna make you some money and you will make more money than your student loan costs. That makes sense? All right, if you wanna, let me put one caveat on this. I will put one caveat. If you just feel strongly led because of your spirit to go out and study Ghanaian cooking, that's fine. Go do it. Understand though, you're not talking about this. You're talking about something experiential. You are no longer talking about a financial decision. You are now talking about something experiential. Those are very important, okay? So I don't want you to think, I'm saying don't go out and have fun, don't go out and have those learning experiences for things that are very important to you. If you are a dancer, and you wanna go study with Debbie Allen, go for it. But understand, you are not talking about something now that's gonna help your financial situation. You're talking about something that's more emotional and spiritual, okay? So we will exclude those. I don't want y'all to think I'm against all that stuff. Uh, your house is an asset. Sometimes that asset don't act right, like like the stock market. For me, don't always act right. But your house is an asset. Okay, the debt you have against that asset is something that is considered a liability. Okay. And if you notice up top, there's a little equity piece in this little math equation. We're gonna get to that in just a second. So that's important. We'll talk about homeowners equity too. Cars, I know everybody says cars are depreciating, they depreciate, they depreciate. Well, once you have a car that is worth more than the value of your outstanding loan, if you have a loan on it, it is now to your equity good, okay? The physical uh, vehicle is still an asset, okay? The debt against it is the liability, okay? That's what we're talking about. Equity is a fun part. I got money in the bank. That's the fun part, that's the easy part, right? This equation always will balance, always. Now, by balancing, sometimes that means that that is negative. (laughs) If that is negative, this is greater than this and this is bad, right? This is is not, this this is a bad situation when your equity is negative. That's okay, we're gonna to work towards getting there. Just because of where you are, go back to the, the slide about the scars. You got them scars, you earned every one of them. Don't keep getting more scars just because you did the same thing. How about that? All right, so let's talk about that. That's where we are gonna be. All right, uh, bonds. So I chose bonds just because a lot of people are familiar with savings bonds. If you have gotten a government savings bond, you know that it has a number on the front, $50, $100, $1,000. I think they go up to $100,000 denominations, yeah, that's right, Um, if you got one, whoever bought that bond for you didn't pay that face amount, they paid less, and it's because over time they will pay interest, okay? That interest will add up to the total that's on the face of that bond. Make sense? Cool. Y'all, y'all in this spot. Um, I put medical bills on here somewhere, where are they, right there? Medical bills are the number one reason people go bankrupt in the United States. Number one reason. Now, as a preview of what's coming down in session three, I'm gonna tell you, make sure you got adequate health insurance. If your employer has it, make sure you understand it. If you don't understand it, come Let me. I, I promise y'all, I'll sit down and I'll talk to you. I got spreadsheets and I got people with spreadsheets. We can, we can figure you out, we can get you to a good place. But there are things out there, there are tools out there that will allow you to better your situation and minimize the impact of this, okay? I don't want you to go bankrupt, I promise. I do want you over there. And if you can have a, a fresh fro like Michelle Obama did right there. Just saying, just saying. All right, Now's homework time. This is your homework. When are you supposed to request your uh, free credit report? Today. Oh, all right. Getting ready for the next session. And this takes a lot of time. <laughs> Make a list of your assets, liabilities, and calculate your equity. Equity becomes a math co- equation at that point. <gasps> Add it all up. Count your mama's jewelry that she gave you. You know, when you got married. Count the plates that big mama gave you. If you can sell them on eBay, give them the right price. Don't say that they're worth a whole lot when they're not. Your jewelry counts count your home if you have one, count your vehicles, go go out and look, do this research. Understand what you have. The reason I'm starting here at this point with the accounting equation is because this is how the score is kept, okay? This, that, that equation forms the accounting principles for not only the United States of America, but also the international financial reporting standards. So all major companies, all major businesses report this way because this is how we can stay balanced and we can keep good account of what's going on. We need to be able to understand how you score points as well as how you keep score in order to win this game. I promise you, I don't care how good you are. If you don't know how to score if you don't know how to keep points or keep score, you will lose. If you don't believe me, come on over. I got a game to play with you. Bring your checkbook too. Okay. So, anybody lost? Anybody anybody overwhelmed anybody kind of concerned right now? Yes. yes?
1: That is an asset.
0: It absolutely is. 401k, is that an asset? That is correct. That is an asset. Is that a question or is that a long yawn? That's okay. We can long yawn. Yes, ma'am. Sure. Okay. So We want to get into that, that's okay. Who feels overwhelmed? Raise your hand. No, I don't. Raise your hand. Here's what I want to say. Those of you who are feeling overwhelmed, resist the urge to pay to black. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you gotta yeah. stand up, if you gotta move around, make yourself stay engaged. Because here's what happens it feels overwhelming, and you go, never mind, I'm not gonna do anything. Mm-hmm. And then a year from now, you're in a worse situation. Yep. So, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do mm-hmm. all of this stuff today, but you just have to make the commitment to stick with it, okay? Yep. You can feel it. You can make it. I can feel it. You can, I, yeah, I can see it. <laughs> it's the people looking at me like, what? I'm about to go watch Martin. I should have left at the beginning when you said that. I ain't coming on the fifth Sunday. When the next one? I know. But seriously, if, if you have questions, seriously, this is your time. I, I can do this stuff all day. Trust me, they know. <laughs> yes, ma'am. When you're talking about tracking you're saying it will be like really every single penny. The stuff you don't want your husband to know about, the stuff you don't want your wife to know, the stuff you don't want yourself to know about, be like, God, dog. I swear. The, the number one thing, I guarantee you most people will be surprised by how much you spend eating out. And, and you're going you're gonna to say the devil is a lie. I, I, in fact, I want to know who it is. <laughs> yes, sir. The question is, what kind of spreadsheet do I have organized? So I actually built my own just because I'm a nerd. Um, but there are great organizations out there like Mint.com that will help you out. And they will... Even, yeah, Excel has some templates, too, and uh, I can bring some in. I can, if anybody wants to see some, that's fine. Jimmy Beasley has a great budget template that he's going to give to the church, so everybody who wants to use it (laughs) can use it. (laughs) Yes, sir? You just modify. (laughs) Modify. Look, the first step here, but we don't worry about the template. Just write it down. That's the most important thing, right? I need you to get it. Write it down. We can figure it out. I promise you. When you see it, you are gonna run out and, and and not like yourself or anybody else with money. But once you know where these things are, we can go after them. We can I can we can work on how to get it. Um, what's that? What did you say, Jim? Every penny. I want to know every penny. Yes, sir. If you, wait, 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 no, no, you actually can, you can, if you can resell those on eBay and you know that you have a definitive market price for them, those are, in fact, assets. Hey, hey, check my footwork, check my footwork. <laughs> that do be the Yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah that, there are other assets that go up faster, but, yeah. I saw a hand over here somewhere, somewhere. yes, ma'am. Your education is an asset. Mm-hmm. You got to figure that out. See, this is where it gets interesting. Oh, you have to look back and say, hey, this is where I'm educated as. This is how much more money I would make than the average person at pick a level. Usually, most people use uh, high school graduation. So, high school graduates' average uh, annual income versus my average annual income as a fill in the blank level of education. Say that again. No problem. No problem. That's all right. You don't that's okay. Get your recorder ready. You ready? Yeah. Okay, let's, let's go. All right. So start with the, high, the average high school graduates and your income. Measure where yours is relative to that, okay, with your education, then stretch that out until you retire. So 65 is a good year. That's how you compute your asset value of your education. All right? What was that question? Okay. What else? Because this, this I promise you, when you do this, you're going to trip out. Cause I promise you, it's something in there that you're gonna be like, wait a minute, I spent how much money at Smoky Joe's? I, don't, I haven't eaten Smoky Joe's in a while. Joe's, deluxe burger, that's mine. I got it, deluxe. cane? Yeah, buddy, man. I not I, I can't eat them here. I'm be in trouble. Run out of gas and everything. Man, I like them. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I ain't lying. What? Want <laughs> some chicken? Uh, we, we changed this to a, a widescreen view, so you can't see the bottom line here. The advanced placement for you uh, super uh, achievers right now, is three by three. I want you to do, Whoa, went too far, I want you to do this, and for the next session, I want you to identify three steps you can take to cut your spending by 3%. 3%, trust me, 3% is hard. <laughs> three, three steps that you can take to cut your monthly spending by 3%. That is a, that is a beautiful one. Does anybody, would anybody like recommendations to get a head start? Call your cable company. Call your insurance company. Shop around. Shop around. Shop around. Look at your cell phone plan. Look at your actual usage and not what they're trying to scare you into. Because if you got unlimited data and you're only using one one meg of data because you only send text messages, you're paying for nothing, paying for nothing, paying for nothing. If you keep your air conditioner on 56 degrees all the time, you might need to be investing in a, in a programmable thermostat. That's one way to, yeah, yeah, get it. Everything, yeah, unplug everything. You'd be like, what in the world? Why my bill run high? Here's something else. Here's something I got got with. City of Bentonville got me with this, and I couldn't figure it out. I was looking at my bill, and I was like, "What in the world? How does it keep going up? It was up almost 100 bucks." I, they say, "Oh, it's the summertime. Water is it's crazy. It's what it's summer." I said, "Okay." Then the wintertime come around. I say, "God, it's still high. It ain't go back down. This is how gas prices work. It go up and then it come down." I say, "Huh?" I call them, they Say, "No, no, no. It's just a transition. Don't worry. You'll be fine going." In winter wintertime, they say, no, you get your heat on. I said, look, I've been living here for all this time, and it ain't never been this high. What's going on? I get to talking to the guy. He said, go check your toilet flapper. Anybody know what a toilet flapper is? Yeah. Okay. Turns out I had a little bitty leak. What he actually recommended was to get some of that blue stuff put it in the toilet and sit there, come up next day and see if it's blue. If the water's blue. Just let it run. And if it's blue, that means you got a leak. Turns out I was losing almost $100 a month because my toilet flapper wasn't completely closing. to fix it at the Home Depot, $7.98 plus tax. Save me almost $100 a month. So, does 3% sound that (laughs) hard? Just think about that though, think about it. Just look for those creative ways. That's, I mean, that's real money. Trust me, $100 a month, shoot, I can do some cooking with that. All right, any questions? If you are feeling overwhelmed and you got questions and you don't wanna ask, Come see me, right now. I will talk to you, I'm fine to stay here. I just need some water, I'm good. I got it right here. Uh, if you have any questions and you don't wanna come back, tell me, tell me you don't wanna come back. I'm good if you don't, I get it. Cause the next one we gonna really get into this. This homework is setting us up for the next one. I promise you it is a setup. This is setting us up for the next one because we are using this information in our next session. It is very important that you do it so you can continue to build. Yes ma'am.